What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, the Football Academy. I'm here, Sapoon, with Will and Braden. What's up, guys? How's it going, man? Another Thursday, another podcast. Chilling, hanging out. Uh, no gambling for you guys this time. Well, no kind actual of. kind of gambling. Uh, but we're, yeah. we're going to talk about it. <laughs> oh, oh, we we don't bet. Um, but uh, yeah, there's no games this week. So we're just kind of, again, hanging and banging, seeing what's going on. How you feeling, Braden? Yeah, after my results of last week, I'm kind of happy that we're not betting <laughs> this week. Um, but we've got some things to talk about. I'm looking forward to it. So let's yeah. get going. Yeah. I mean, one of the first things we have to address right now is VAR. I think VAR was brought in for clear and obvious errors for those four different types of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. And as a fan of the game, I am not a fan of the technology that has been brought in in the way it's been brought in. I think the biggest problem is when we look at it, there is a lot of time wasted. It's a lot of times not clear and obvious that you're talking about. But again, if that's the right decision, that's the right decision. So where do we draw the line? What's going to happen? I think VAR is here to stay at the end of the day, whether we like it or not. And I think the conversation that needs to start happening and that I want us to have right now is how do you guys think we can make it better? Because people have suggested like putting a time on it, which I think is a terrible idea because it puts the referees under even more pressure. So what do you think, Will, as the biggest benefactor of VAR so far? (laughs) Uh, You know, he's not wrong. Um, I think for me, my... How I feel with it now is that it is a very useful good to the game. Uh, I do... I mean, I don't even think there needs to be time implements. I think my biggest thing right now, and a stat that I heard from one of my friends, is that England, on the whole, has used the referee going to watch the uh, footage himself. In, In anyone who has VAR, most refs go to the TV screen, they see what's going on. I think that England, there's a tradition you want to be let, you know, let the official official rule it. If you see something that you think someone else doesn't see, go to that TV and feel like you want to see, like, feel like you want to re-rush it again. I think there's a lot to be said for the officials in the Premier League right now going to that screen, seeing a little bit of it, seeing how the game goes. I think that could help VAR go forward in a positive way because... If the match official goes, hey, you saw this, I didn't see this, meh, maybe that overturns some things. Maybe that makes some things go the way that we want it to. Maybe it makes the league more interesting if you hear me, England, because you only want interesting things happening. Maybe go to the TV, maybe let the match official see what he sees so that the call on the field can stay more of the call on the field. Braden? Yeah, so I think it's it's right that I think the – Premier League Institute's VAR, and I think it's gotten more things right than it's gotten wrong. Uh, What I think is poor right now is, if you think of the fan experience with VAR, it's just kind of the ref points to his ear for a little while. The Chris Wood celebration. Yeah, the point to the ear. Mm -hmm. Right, he points to his ear, and then, you know, two minutes later, 
the ref either gives the goal or doesn't. And <laughs> and you won. It's kind of it's kind of an odd thing. And if you look at some other sports, like I, I know rugby in particular has the ref on a mic, really good. Really and good. so like you you know what the ref is talking about. Hear, yeah. And so you you kind of understand what's going on. I think like I think some of that would be helpful for the fans there. And yeah. I think that would change some of the talk around it from oh, we're just like watching and waiting to this is the thought process of this is what they're looking at and we're not just kind of guessing on it. Braden, before Spooning goes, I just want to point out that there are only two stadiums in the EPL that don't have the replays shown on the screen and I happen to be sitting across from the man who has the same one as me, Anfield and Old Trafford. I think announcing it like rugby does, my wife plays rugby, I've listened to them call it, it's fantastic. I think that's where another next move should go. Um, but there are stadiums like ours that just kind of don't want that to happen. So, Sapoon, voice your point, but also at some point maybe talk about the shit we got going on. <laughs> I think there is obvious upgrades that need to be made if VAR is going to be here. In the future, I think the fans who are in the stadium need to know. And as a fan who goes to MLS games and yeah, the experience kind of for the TV viewers is great because you see the replay, you hear the people talk. Yeah, in the stadium, especially in England right now, you're basically standing around going, "Okay, they're checking the goal, they're checking something," and you don't even see the referee like go check something. It's basically they're hearing something and they're like, oh, goal. Oh, offside. <laughs> and again, this becomes a big question of who is in charge of the game at that point. Because I think VAR, for what it is, is needs to be implemented in a way that the match-going fans have an idea of what's going on. And then at the end of the day, that the referee who is in charge of the game... Um, is still in charge of the game in a way that um, most fans would like. If it's a red card, he goes and checks the decision if it's a red card. And I think we're we're yet to see, I think, a really ballsy move from a referee over VAR. I think the foul on Origi was a moment that I think VAR could have really taken a step. It didn't. I so think that Fabinho <laughs> goal could have been a step uh, to be taken. It didn't. So... It's going to become a question of like, hey, um, the corner that they scored off of wasn't supposed to be their corner. So does VAR interject in that? Because that's a clear and obvious mistake that led to a goal. So I think we're going to start having these conversations of how um, to go forward with this. However, it's going to become the biggest question of who is basically in charge of the game and how that uh, changes itself maybe moving forward. Yeah. yeah, so I think to add a little bit to that and, and your point about what ref is in control of the game, I, I think there's a bit of a culture of making a very strong decision immediately and staying with it no matter what. And I think there's been a lot of hesitancy to say, hey, I don't know, like we should take a look at this and that sort of thing. And, and even if that's just between the ref and the VAR, I think that sort of thing needs to happen where it's a little more, I didn't see it, I need to see other angles of it. Uh, Braden, to speak to you, I think that that call of being like, 
hey, I saw this, this is what happened. That's not coming from the match official. That's coming from the guy in London who's right. seeing the footage. Right. Who's being like, hey, I saw this. It does not matter what you saw. What's going on? I, agree I think on the cases of this weekend with the Liverpool match and with Sheffield United, I think those are moments where you go, hey, I'm the VAR. I'm just here in case you need to check something. I think if there's if there's a call that someone, if you are not going to the TV, like I said earlier, and you feel like, hey, this is onside, that that Sheffield United go and you're like, hey, he was onside, so whatever. You don't need to go to VAR. You make that call. You're the match official. You know what's going on. There may also be, there may also need to be a little bit of a, a kind of NFL-y in there where it's just like, hey, it's in this certain amount of time. You need to go back and look at this. Uh, the NFL is not the bastion saying of any sort of rule applications <laughs> ever in the history of sport. I'm from America. I'll go ahead and say that. It's fine. Um, but like maybe that's something where it's like, hey, take a second look, or you know what, bro, you go ahead and do you, you fight. Um, but that's also because I just kind of wanted Tottenham to lose that game. That's whatever. It's fine. It's fine. I also apparently want myself to lose enough. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's only going to get interesting with VAR and. If there has been a directive for um, the referees to go see the TV more that's been provided to them to see how the replay goes and whatnot, it might change people's, uh, the way they have formed opinions so far and have become so opinionated about VAR. But I think it's going to become a question about consistency because there was a time when they were enforcing that you have to have the foot on the line rule very... um, I'd say strongly at one point where they would go to VAR and like make you retake the penalty. Yeah, it's a huge thing at the Women's World Cup. Yeah, like, and Scotland, oh my God. Were Scotland, getting, Scotland, yeah. Scotland, yeah. We can talk about Scotland. Then even in early on in the Premier League season, right, where they had to have one foot, like it was becoming a big thing. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I very distinctly remember uh, Manchester United missing two penalties. Um, it's becoming very common with United missing penalties. <laughs> in case anybody, hey, future's betters. Next Man United penalty, definitely a miss. Um, Good boy. <laughs> where Tim Krul just was off the line both times. And yeah. I think given the game situation, it was 2-0 and 3-1, I think, when we took the penalties. So it doesn't necessarily matter. But, like, if it's 2-2, the title's on the line at Etihad, say, when uh, Manchester United is playing Man City next year. Like, what happens? You know, like, do does the referee make the call? So I think VAR is going to make those interesting calls. And there are going to be times when you might not like the outcome, but if it was uh, offside by a hairline, it was offside by a hairline. So you said some people don't like the outcome. Y'all heard the outcome of next year. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I'd like to argue to the next point, sir. Like, I, nah, bruh, we, we, nah, nah. Well, uh, that brings us perfectly to the next point. <laughs> Talking about futures, we. this is why we love this podcast, because we can talk about betting in a way nobody else does when it comes down to how you can make money off of futures bets that these nuggets that our betting guru, Braden, can give us. And, you know, we can throw in some uh, fantasy football nuggets here and there, and it will be a good one. Braden likes to hide his talent, but he knows he's the guru. He knows he's the guy. 
Um, so in the general sense, Sapoon is smarter than I am. I am just a degenerate. Brayden happens to be the guru. So if you have any hey, future, Brayden and I least have good taste in our teams. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but hey, talk, yeah. Again, talk, betting guru. We don't want to screw ourselves. So <laughs> the first question I have for you, betting guru out here, talking about teams right now, Liverpool. Decently formed favorites at minus 250 on Bovada to win the Premier League. You see certain teams like Leicester and Chelsea who are just knocking on the door right there. And as you have said, that Man City is still going to be up there. Man City being the second favorites. If you are trying to make money right now, how would you place your bets on this? So I would size this appropriately. If you want to go and think about... Uh, a Chelsea or Leicester, if you just want to get a little crazy. Uh, a real small bet there, I, I think, kind of makes the smallest amount of sense. Um, n- neither of those teams are winning the title. But if you wanted to throw five, ten bucks on it and see what happens, because, you know, ten bucks gets you 330 if uh, Chelsea win, that's that's handy. And, you know, who, who knows you what pay the bar time, but I bet you're going to... Right, your side away with. right. More realistically, I would, I would prefer to bet on City than I would Liverpool at this at minus two fifty. It's just not really a great rate of return, and I, I think Man City is closer to, is closer to this than these odds represent. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, the one future I want to talk about right now is a. Uh, a winner of the Premier League without City or Liverpool. Leicester's at plus two hundred. I I may or may not put some money on that. I'm I'm very suspect of my own team. Uh, that feels like a solid bet right now. Most of the other teams you would figure for that would be kind of, eh. Chelsea are kind of the favorites right now for one of us. Outside of that, I'd like Leicester. I. I don't know. I just saw that bet and it kind of spoke out to me in a second. So, yeah. I like that as well, to be honest. Like, it's it's kind of a it's similar to the Man City and Liverpool. You know, Chelsea's at minus 225, but there's a lot of things that could happen with Chelsea that kind of reverts them back to the mean a little bit. I'm, I'm going to make a crazy prediction right now. And... This is going to be an absolute homer pick, as uh, Braden and Will would call it. If we really think Manchester United has turned the corner, right? Mm-hmm. And you see Eric Bailly come back, you're seeing all these injuries, Paul Pogba's coming back, and say these guys hit some form. Wouldn't be the craziest idea, plus 2,000, to put 10 bucks on Manchester United being up there when it's all said and done, because I think at some point the youth is going to catch up and they're going to get knocked out of the cha- uh, of the Europa League and they're going to concentrate on the league at that point. And maybe the other way around it goes down where they concentrate on the Europa League more. But I do think this is a very good possibility where we end up finishing third or fourth if things do keep going right. So wouldn't be a bad shot for a dollar you'd win 20 bucks. So... Why not? You're certainly talking about the right kind of money uh, to 
for yeah. that. Like you, you get paid off for that and you have a decent thesis for it. Right. So th- there's a way that you can see that happening. You're 10 points back now, but you know, if you go in and you, you beat Lester, uh, you go back and beat Chelsea at home. Like you're right there. And it's also, I think when you look at it overall, Chelsea has had this glorious run of form over the last couple of uh, weeks that I think at some point is going to come to an end. And I I think Arsenal's going to be right there. I think Leicester City at some point, the stats are going to catch up to them as well, where they're going to have a couple of letdown games. So I don't think 10 points is as big as we make it sound like. At the end of the day, the, we have to play each other. And ten points is not much when I think about it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna necessarily disagree with that. Looking at this line right now, um, with the the three being Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester, like teams who are in the upper echelon, Spurs are. Uh, oh hell no! Yeah, no. Why would for me? Why would you pick Spurs in front of Manchester United? I feel like because you're a Liverpool fan. No, even as a Liverpool fan, looking at it objectively. I've seen what Spurs' current run of form has been, and I've seen what you're like from the last two, the last games that have been played. Looking at Spurs, looking at how kind of weak they were. Again, I talked about on a couple podcasts ago about how they kind of shrink in when they get attacked too hard. How they shrank in. I'd rather take the Manchester United bet than the Tottenham bet. Like you can have Harry Kane and Son all day. That's fine. Uh, one of them kind of broke a dude's leg and the other one looks like Draco Malfoy. I think the better bet, as much as I want to throw myself off a bridge, why not pick up that Manchester United money? They have so much more talent. United and Arsenal have more talent than Tottenham and I'm going to stick to it. Like, you have more talent than them and at the end of the day, I think that should pay off more than it will for... Like, I I don't... I I think there's going to be a time very soon if you're going to make that bet... Uh, you're going to become a huge Man United fan because we face Tottenham at home and then City away in the space of three days. And I think if Manchester United get six points from those two games, finishing third is definitely on at that point. Yeah, that, that looks very different at that point, if, so, if that yeah. makes sense. So I think at that point, it, again, we're betting on futures and we're basically saying how the, these things are going to happen. And given the injuries that we have seen so far, and again, this could be a case like Arsenal where they they were expecting Bellerin and Holding to come in. Things yeah. will drastically change. Maybe it doesn't. You don't. It, for some we got to open another beer. We got to open another beer every time we talk about Manchester United because it's like we're gonna have to drink more when they let me down. <laughs> they do. I have to drink more. You don't because uh, yeah, because you're gonna be enjoying yourself. So fair for one. Fair play. So <laughs> what? what do we think Jamie Vardy staying on top for the Golden Boot this year? Um, um, that was a lot of noise for nothing. So I'm going to be a homer. I'm picking Mo to come back from his injury and be fine. If not him, Sterling. Because hmm. so I, I hate myself. Mo Salah is seventh right now. Yeah, I'll still take Mo. As many goals as Mark for Rashford. So I, my take on this is if you're betting Vardy to win the Golden Boot... You should be going and also putting money on Leicester to finish winner without Man City or Liverpool. To me, that's you. That's what you should be thinking along those lines. Because Arling it if 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 Leicester can get to third and win, 
Vardy has probably scored a lot of goals. He scored uh, he scored the most for them since they won the title. So yeah, they don't allow a parlay for that. How about that? Uh, a, a lot of times well, they true. won't allow <laughs> correlated bets like that because you know, especially when you get up to odds of like plus four hundred and, and and a lot of those underdog odds, you can really stack up something that could cost them a ton of money. <laughs> we were furiously cash apping. Don't worry, y'all. <laughs> um, so. I, I don't really love Vardy for this bet as a whole because I personally think that Leicester have been on the positive side of uh, XG variance on that. They've scored a lot more than XG says they should have. And so you might see that come down to earth a little bit. Uh, so I don't personally want to go that way. Um, one... One off of this that I do like, uh, Tammy Abraham at plus 600. Uh, I, I like it a lot because that Chelsea is going to, they've clearly shown a commitment to youth this year, and Tam, Tammy Abraham is clearly that guy that they are going to kind of have as their focal piece. And they create a lot of chances that he's there to finish off. I, I like that as a possible option. Um and you know you can take a punt on a few of these guys as well, like um, Saudi Amane at plus a thousand. So uh, you can I, see it happening. <laughs> I have a quick question for Will: How much do you trust in Jamie Vardy? Do you think he can deliver a title to Leicester? Because there's plus eight thousand odds where you can bet on the tournament winner and the top goal scorer, and you get. <sighs> Leicester City and Jamie Vardy at plus 8,000. Okay, that's it for me from the stat I saw. The last time Vardy was on song like this for Leicester, they, they won, the, won the goddamn title. Yes, <laughs> so if you want to be that ambitious and put, like, not a lot of money on it, but, like, a decent amount where you can make some back and be like, oh, vacation. Yeah, go ahead and do it. I, I'm not, like, I'm not completely swayed. Uh, I mentioned that stat last week, and I really, like, Non-Liverpool Will loves that stat because I feel like there's so much more in this lesser team. I feel like there's a lot more in other people, too. I'm, I want to circle back to the golden boot for a second because I just want to say maybe from the form we've seen in the past couple weeks, maybe you want to put some money down on Raul Jimenez. Uh, maybe, this, maybe, maybe Liverpool win the league, damn right, um, without having the top goal scorer. And maybe it's that one random dude who came from another team who was also very good. Raul Jimenez has some good money. Um, maybe, maybe also take Martial. I don't know. They may start banging in shit when I don't see it. Like I, this I like. We're, we're getting crazy talk right yeah. now. No, 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 no. So, like, so I'm, 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 I'm going to end this with one simple crazy talk. Oh, good lord! <laughs> Plus seven hundred with the odds right now. Do we believe? There's going to be another invincible team this year. Plus seven hundred. Uh, you need to pay me a lot more than plus seven hundred for that. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a reason why it's only happened once. Uh, Liverpool still have to go to City, and a really interesting piece on that is, you know, theoretically, if Arsenal have a new manager who has uh, who has a different vision in mind. Liverpool would have to go to Arsenal in May for that. And especially if that manager is Freddie, 
who wasn't invincible, that could be a really intriguing game right there. I'm not necessarily saying that they would beat them for there, but that would be a that'd be a little source of dig in and have some pride. Brayden, I I know people are expecting me to disagree, but if you've listened to the podcast religiously, you know that I'm not a fan of this invincible thing. I'm not just a Liverpool fan, I'm a Cleveland fan. I don't give a shit how we get to the goddamn title. <laughs> I just want the fucking title. We don't need to be invincible. We don't we can lose three games and still win the title. I don't care. People on Twitter, on Facebook, on social media being like, oh, Liverpool needs to be this undefeated team. Eat my whole dick. I can't deal with this right now, dude. I just need this title. We need to get a league so I can not even hold it above these guys' heads. Just be like, oh, my God, I we have a title. Shut oh, my God, we have one less than you. I hate you. It does not matter. I don't want Invincible. If Invincible happens, it's lovely. We get the old trophy. It's great. If it doesn't, if we win the league... Are you that upset about it? We're going to have a damn parade. It's going to be a lovely time. It's going to be fantastic. Quit worrying about not losing the game. Worry about winning every game you have on the table right now. That's what we're about. Fuck off with your random. We want to be better than Arsenal noise. The 80s already happened. It's fine. We're not going invincible. Don't take that bet. Jesus Christ. If you do, I'm coming to your house. Uh, You can pay for the airfare if you listen to Liverpool. I'll come there. It's not a thing. Please don't. <laughs> well, that was an interesting end to that futures betting po- uh, part of this podcast. It's my nighttime voice. <laughs> I, I think it's very interesting uh, what could conspire in the next couple of months. And these Fair. odds could look very different the next time we're talking about this. Can, can I add one other one that I'm yes, interested sir. on? You if you're can. thinking about... Uh, Manchester United as the winner uh, with the, outside that, yeah. of City and Liverpool. There's one on there for Manchester United total team points of a over 59, 59 yeah. and a half. That's, That's minus 115, but that should be achievable, I think, for the way that United are playing right now. If, they, if you think they've turned a corner and you want to play that, that United finish third or second if city or worse or whichever uh maybe put a small bet on the plus 2000 there and put a larger bet on the over uh 59 and a half that way if the if united isn't third you you still get a nice cash out here yeah well i will definitely look into it i would i had seen the total points at 59 and a half and i do think we're going to get more than that However, injecting Pogba into this team is going to either make this team take the next step that I am expecting it to take, or it's going to absolutely fall apart. And I think that that's where I think the key lies. And minus 115, I just don't like the odds. I think it was plus mm-hmm. like 200, I'd go for it. Or even plus, or even if even odds, I'd go for it. But having done that, this is the last last international break uh, in 2019. So that would basically mean the end of a decade in 2010 because the next time we have an international break will be 2020. So we're going to do a special thing of three, a draft of our three of our most memorable Premier League moments of this decade and to pick between Will and Brayden who goes first. I have a trivia question. 
I need a number from both of you. And whoever's closer is going to go first. So, the question is, before joining Arsenal, how many club senior goals did Thierry Henry have for a senior career? Interesting. Ooh. Oh, my God. That's a really good question. Thierry. 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 I'm going to go with 15. Oh, you bastard. Okay. Oh. We've got some real low numbers right oh. now. Oh, uh, you. Yeah, I feel like Sapoon's lying right now. I'm going to take the under. 12. 12. Wow. He was, I'd say, 22. Yeah, he was 22 when he joined Arsenal. And you think he scored 12 goals in Muscogee by that point? Mm, maybe not as pro. I think maybe Arsenal found him from a system he didn't have been. He scored 23 goals. Fuck so me. So Raymond was closer. I know he was. God damn it. I should have trusted my instincts. Stupid, so, batchy fucking Fox Sports coverage. Damn it. At this point. <laughs> what? It's in my childhood, Thierry. I couldn't see him. Okay. Whatever, just keep going. <laughs> well, we got Braden with the first pick. What's up, Braden? All right, so my most memorable moment, and this is not a great moment for me, um, is uh, Arsenal getting stomped 8-2 to two by Manchester United. Uh, and I, I, pick, I actually Young played well in that game. Yeah, fuck off. Uh Personally, I, I think this is significant for a number of reasons. I think this was one of the first times that people kind of looked at Arsene Wenger and said, I don't think he can do it anymore. I, I think this was one of those moments for that. But in the wake of that, I think that this was also a transformative moment in the short term for the club uh, because it, it led to a little bit of a panic buying session Um that ended up with the club getting Mikel Arteta and Per Mertesacker. And both of those and a couple other guys who weren't quite as uh, quite as impactful for our Arsenal. Uh, but, you know, Arteta was a great uh, one of the co-captains for a while for Arsenal. Uh, Mertesacker was a club captain for a while and I think really helped to shape some of the some of the culture there and, and set the table for Arsenal coming out to win the FA Cup and, and have something to kind of solidify around. And, you know, Murdersacker is now running the academy. And you see guys like Saka, Smith Rowe, like Joe Willock, like you, a number of these guys that Arsenal is very high on right now uh, as their youth academy, Per Murdersacker has had something to do with that. And I think there's been. It's it that was obviously a very low moment for the club, but is also something that that came out of it and kind of set the table for future years. I I very much agree with what you've said, and I think this game definitely changed the way um, everybody looked at Arsene Wenger. And um, I really wonder if things would have been different had it gone differently in terms of if it was the other way around. Yeah, and this was at Emirates, and Arsenal were in a position to do this to Manchester United. Would they do yeah. it? And part of me says as much respect as they had for each other. At some point, someone was going to deal the final blow to the other one in terms of the whole rivalry that they had. And 
I think this game basically signified the end of that era of Arsene Wenger, Sir Alex Ferguson, in a way that I think after, I think before this game, it was very clear that Arsenal were not going to be competing for a title anytime soon. But there were still hopes with Van Persie still being there and the team kind of getting together. But you had suspensions the first two games of the season that led to like a very young team starting in this game with all the injuries. I think Coquelin, I think, made his debut in this game. That's right. Right back. Yeah. 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 So... It, and th- this is high school me basically watching this, this game. And Emmanuel Frimpong. Yeah. Dinch as fuck. Ama- Dinch as... Oh! Brandon, I've been waiting for you to say Dinch this whole time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bruh, that's Dinch as shit. Like, I... My, I wife, mean, my th- wife looks at me like, why are you saying Dinch? I'm like, fucking Dinch, man. Let's, you know, you gotta... Shit well, yeah. Dinch, I mean, I, th- I think this game changed a lot of things for a lot of people. I... And, uh... I, I will never have enough to say about this game, but I somewhere down, somewhere deep down, I do believe uh, in the way that they lost this game had a lot to do in the uh, in the way Van Persie came to Man United the next year. That's fair. That's fair. So, what do you think? Will was your favorite moment? Um. So, this I'm a I'm a tug the heartstrings type of dude. Um. Here's a story you guys might not know. Uh, Fabrice Wamba. Uh, he was a player for uh, Bolton at the time. A little bit earlier back, uh, I believe it was 2011, 2010, he uh, suffered cardiac arrest on the field during the FA Cup tie against Spurs. Uh, got out of the hospital like a month later after having a heart attack. He returned uh, in front of the home fans uh, against, like he returned. He didn't play. He came out and he stood among the fans. For a guy who had played and suffered a heart attack, almost passed away. I mean, he died on the pitch. He, he right? died on the pitch, and they resuscitated him to come back. Yeah, like that moment for me. It's uh, I love the Premier League for moments like this, where it's this sort of emotional takeover. The supporters away home were there for him. He did not play. He just walked on the pitch. They had a tifo dedicated to him behind him. He waved. He had tears in his eyes. He limped back. He had a cane because he had not regained full use of his side. Um, one of the things that makes the Premier League so special for me are moments like this. I remember this game. If it if it wants to be really sappy, I remember the moment in the fucking Sky Sports tribute. Uh, wonderful by Gary Go. He comes out and they show him with the Tifo and everything. It always strikes a chord in me. Uh, it's one of those moments that you think of. Uh, I got plenty of bullshit moments, guys. I'm sorry. But it's one of those moments where, like, football becomes a little bit more than, like, a game becomes something for you. And just sitting down on my couch and watching that moment, it's one of those moments that will never escape me because it's just so emotional. It fills you up. It doesn't matter what club you support. All of a sudden, you're just there for this one person who just wanted to do this thing for his whole life and happen to suffer something that you should never wish on anybody. It's a great moment. Again, I got bullshit moments in front of it, but like it strikes a chord with me every time I see it. It tugs the heartstrings. If you're a football fan in any shape or form, if you see that and you don't feel anything, you might be dead inside. Like it, it's it's a real human moment in this game, and I absolutely love it. Sorry I'm choking up. Deal with it. I love it. There's more bullshit to come. We'll go on to Spoon. <laughs> 
I mean, it's hard to follow that one up. I think that was a very memorable moment for anybody who uh, followed football at that point and knew about what was going on. And yeah, I think uh, that's a moment that everybody's always going to remember about how at the end of the day, it's only teams and it's, it's a sport and there's always something bigger. Um, something that's for me, not a lot bigger than the sport is the Manchester Derby. And uh, <laughs> ever since the UAE, wherever the fuck they came from, takeover happened, there was going to be a moment where Manchester City were going to take over. And everybody expected that to be at Old Trafford 2011. I am uh, studying for my high school exams at that point in 10th grade. Uh, somehow get some time off for my mom to go watch the game. And Wayne Rooney, the white Pele, scored one of the most spectacular <laughs> goals that I have ever seen to decide a derby. And I, I don't really have words to explain how I felt in that moment. That I feel like I uh, graduated my 10th grade exams because of that goal because it gave me confidence. But Wayne Rooney, I I don't have words for what that goal meant. And I also think it changed a lot of things in the way Man City's recruitment went after that, in the way uh, Manchester United went after that. So, and the game, I also think, yes, the game happened a couple of months after the whole Rooney wanting to go to Man City situation. So this really felt like a redemption moment for someone who a lot would consider are, is a legend for the club. They're, they were still the billboard, I believe, of fucking Tevez Welcome. being an asshole. Uh, who? You know what I said. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I fucking hate that goal, but I respect it all the way because that is also one of the goals where you went to your friends as an American be like, this is what the class of the Premier League does. Wayne Rooney's overhead kick was on Sports Center top ten for a hot minute, and you were just like, "Yo, fuck those guys!" But also, this is why the Premier League is important. As an American, that is a seminal Premier League moment because that was a moment that people were kind of turn around like, "Oh, this is a real fucking game, and these guys are doing real shit." Now, I want to jump off a fucking cliff saying that, but I stand by it. That is one of those moments, at least for like on the American perspective, for me, that's a game where. America staff was like, oh, this is really the beautiful fucking game. Oh, shit, we're going to deal with this. So, uh, fuck both of them, and Oasis sucks. Uh, fuck y'all. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have it. I don't have that much to add. It's a great goal. Like, it's, <laughs> it's one that you just look at and you're like, I think it's actually yeah, perfectly he's really fucking goal good. That I'm going to absolutely hate. But we're going to take a break. Before we go on to the second part of this podcast, there are some great moments to come, some that will make me laugh, some that will make Will laugh, and some that will definitely make Brayden cry. <laughs> so. I'm so sorry, Brayden! <laughs> I volunteered one, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, we'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? Second part of this podcast. Some great moments so far shared by Will and Brayden. 
and we will go to the second round of this draft so that you can let us know whose picks were the best. Brayden, what do you have? So our, the next one I have is Aguera scoring that goal to win them the title. Um, I can remember watching this game. Um, you've got the classic commentary on there of just Aguero being screened at the top of Martin Tyler, you yeah. beauty. <laughs> yeah, just and it was a everyone always kind of knew that at some point City was going to rise up and be what we were all kind of expecting them to be when they spent that much money. Uh, but this was kind of the moment they did it. I remember watching um, the scenes at Old Trafford as uh, United kind of walked around. It was not at Old Trafford, by the way. It, it was, was not at Old Trafford. It was, it was, it was same same like, excuse me. <laughs> oh, I remember. <laughs> well, do you know? <laughs> excuse me. Um, I remember seeing Manchester United fans and players celebrating like they had won the title because it definitely seemed like they had. And then just seeing it so viscerally snatched away, I I kind of hate what City kind of represent as a whole. But in that moment, it was kind of, it was something you have to give it up to them. And they went and did the damn thing. And it's, I think everyone who watches Thank you the Premier League. For opening a beer for yeah. <laughs> I think everyone that watches the Premier League and has followed it over the years, kind of, it's a, I was here when that happened type yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, so the best part about that is, yes, I remember that vividly. Uh, shout out to someone who I used to know. Um, who got out of the shower and your homeboy was shirtless, loses mind because Sergio Aguero had scored the goal. Um, and then I proceeded to go and uh, look up the commentary on several different stations. Uh, I really just wanted Manchester United to lose that title. Um, anyway, we're going to go to my second pick. And uh, I initially kind of had a different, but I want to do a homer pick now. My my second pick is... Uh, Divacariki versus Everton. I, I mean, here's the thing. This is one of those games. Sapoon relates some personal stuff. I this is the first time I've watched Liverpool in front of my wife's parents, and uh, we were drawn. It was okay. Everything was kind of going sideways, and then Divacariki somehow magically scores that goal, uh, to win the Merseyside derby. Uh, I can't really describe what happened in that moment. I believe Allison's dad described it as I lost all of my entire mind. Um, that's a moment for me that will always stick out to me just because it being a Liverpool homer, we can go ahead and say it. I clop running on the pitch to find Allison doing all that. Uh, the interviews after the match, the feeling in the house, everything like that was I was over the moon for that. It's it's a moment I can never replicate. There have been several great moments uh, with Liverpool versus Manchester United that I should have picked, but I don't want to be mean spoon. Um, damn it and God, God, what a moment. Um, but that moment for me is one of, like, that's the Liverpool, like, chess piece. Um, y'all were making fun of me earlier. I stand by it with the, like, all of my moments are the Europa League, Champions League, everything like that. 
this is the moment from the league that I remember being my favorite thing in the entire world. I love it the most. So, yeah. Well, um, I'm just going to ignore that that was a moment. Up because <laughs> I, I, I generally don't think that moment meant as much in terms of overall uh, Premier League development, maybe for Liverpool, but I still think the Liverpool moment for Klopp came in that Dortmund game in the Europa League. Um, I, I personally think overall in terms of um, goals that probably changed um, the Premier League for the better or the worse was the Aguero goal. But again, Wayne Rooney's goal or Rigi's goal as fans, we will always we are always going to keep them in mind, and we're always going to pick those homer picks out there. But um, again, next pick for me: graduating high school last uh, season for Sir Alex Ferguson. Almost uh, didn't graduate because he uh, decided to retire in between my final exams. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't really have a lot to say. I think, as Braden pointed out, the Aguero moment it it. This season was everything you could have asked for from a picture book. Van Percy, the little child inside of him, told him to come to Manchester United. Came to Manchester United, won the league, and yeah, I think I I will I I will remember where I was when I heard he was retiring. I was I will always remember where I was when I saw his last game at Old Trafford, and I will always tell people this. He he said. The one job you United fans have is to stand by your next manager. And that is the one job I feel like every United fan has just fucking forgotten about. So maybe reflect back on what Fergie said, because this could be the last decade we win a title for a while from the way things have been going. So let's reflect back on how things have been and, you know, make them better for the future. And I do think Ferguson retiring was, again, a whole different ball game for the whole Premier League because all of a sudden... Everybody knew that the throne for the Premier League was there to be taken. Can't argue. Can't argue. That's yeah. I uh, I was rooting for it. No, I wasn't rooting for it. He's a fantastic man. Very. I feel like okay. As a Liverpool fan, I feel like you hated him. You hated him. You hated him. And then when he retired, you were like, "Oh shit!" Because you're a big part of your life. When they're just hating him. Look, I'm, you know, I, fuck you. Like, that's all I have right now. Because there was a big part about, like, it, Sir Alex Ferguson, Bill Cower, uh, like, there's a whole list of people, like, who? In my, Bill Cower, Steelers, from Cleveland. There's a whole list of people. Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, people who I just hate the most, Lloyd Carr, who I'm just like, I hate you because you were there. And then they retire. I'm like, oh, you were kind of okay. Sir Alex Ferguson is among that book. He's class of managers. Him retiring, I was just like, hey, yo, bro, fuck that dude. And I was like, alright, he's a pretty good manager. <laughs> uh, and it'll be fine when like 20 years from now we're doing the podcast. She's like, you know what, Jürgen Klopp was alright. And, uh, you know, it's fine. That Will named his like first two kids after him. It's whatever. You might put that on my grave before. <laughs> I say that, but Klopp was alright. Uh, do you have any additional feelings about Sir Alex that you would like to voice because this would be the last decade 
I'd be like the boy that. <laughs> that it would not be at that point, no, like next decade it just feels like it was a decade ago so like you know it's it's a thing of history it was a decade ago you won the title yeah. it was still, I, I, I have graduated high school I've graduated college since then so it's been a long time yeah I mean that's fine but you should always remember uh, remember where you've been where your history is I mean in some ways that's what separates you from the cities and and the other te- teams and that have just kind of Johnny come lately so is you have something to look back at and say like this is what my club stands for this is what my club is um especially with the Saudi uh, takeover looming yeah know? yeah the inter- I feel like the day Sir Alex left a bit of integrity left Manchester United and I have seen that change in terms of how we have gone to social media and the way we've gone to marketing and I, I, Some of that's just how it is. Yeah, now, it is. Like, but it, it's you it's have kind of but, man, but I mean, again, Ed Woodward is the master of making money, so he's taking it to the next level. But we can keep going on and on about that. This is it. Final round, boys. Brayden's going first. What's your pick? So this was a tough one uh, f- for me to choose. Um, <laughs> I want to be a little bit of a homer and take um, kind of like what you did with. Uh, Fuck off. What she did with Fergie and, and talking about Arsene Wenger and, and him leaving. Um, I'm going to throw a wild card here for the last one and talk about Suarez biting Ivanovic. Um, <laughs> the racist guy who liked to eat humans. It was just such a surreal thing to, to look at. And, like, I remember, I remember being at the bar watching games and then seeing, like, over the corner seeing the Chelsea match and being like, wait, did, did he just, did he just bite a guy? (laughs) (laughs) And just not really believing what I was seeing and and like just how much that changed my view of Suarez, um, with other things that were yet to come. Um, and that's a very, that was, that was definitely a moment that I could not forget from the Premier League. Uh, I don't really have a response. Um, I'm a Liverpool fan. Luis Suarez is probably the one of the more racist people who ever played football. But that's fine. It's cool. I'll deal with it. And I'll hate myself in the morning. It's cool. Uh, there's a lot of cold showers to come. We're going to talk about my favorite moment. And this was the moment that made me believe in the Premier League being the best league in the country. And it's kind of a shitty to Brayden. Sorry. In which country, by the way? Yeah. It's in the country of England. It's the, it's the best <laughs> football league. <laughs> they, they, they do have multiple professionals. Are, are you implying <laughs> that it's better than League Two? I mean, the, champion, what a statement. the championship is lit sometimes. It's fine. It's fine. We are... Uh, well, Can you remember Deeney scoring the goal against Watford? It's whatever. I'm sorry, Wolf. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I, I've had a moment. Um, Arsenal, Newcastle. Check Tiote. Somehow salvaging a draw for Newcastle. I really, like, I want to put it into better words than this. I love the Premier League watching this match and then watch this match. Neutral could not give a shit. One of the more exciting, hilarious matches I've ever watched. 
the Teote last goal was a banger. RIP. God bless. What a goal. But that was just one of those games. Again, as the American on the outside, watching that game made you believe in the Premier League. Made you like I saw like fucking Alexic Lawless. Jesus Christ. It made you want to watch the Premier League. I know, I know, producer Justin, I sound like him, it's fine. I tried to buy him a beer, he didn't want to, he didn't want to take it. Hate you, Alexi. Uh, it was it was just so exciting. That goal was just so fantastic to me. And again, I know it's Arsenal, but it's watching a top four team, a team that for me watching as a kid was just better than your team. They were fuck you, but yes, they were the invincibles. They were the kids you watched. They were the guys you watched who went and like play that game that way. And for Newcastle to scrape away a win like that, like blew my mind. It was it's one of those games. I'll put it like this: to every friend I have who does not watch Premier League, who does not watch soccer, I go, hey, you have appointment viewing. Go watch this Newcastle fucking Arsenal game. It's fantastic. It's entertaining from front to back. Even those last couple minutes after Chiote scored the goal were just so intriguing. And that's that's one of those games that just sticks out for me as like a Premier League is the league that's the best in the world. You can have your Spain, you can have your pretty game, you can have your Germany, you can have all that. The Premier League is always going to be that fun, that exciting up until the last moment, even if you could give a shit about this team. I love that game. Brayden, I'm sorry you all snatched a point away from it. I'm sorry that Arsenal think probably... Couldn't zip up his coat. It's fine. I can't zip my coat sometimes. It's whatever. But that match to me is just... It's... It's a classic. It's a classic. It's... If they show it on Fox Soccer Plus, you're going to sit there and watch and go, oh, I remember every single moment of this match. Do you have anything to add to that, Brady? Yeah, so I... I actually... Um, I only saw the first half of this game live. <laughs> Legitimately. Like, I had something else going on that day. It was like... You know what? We're at four nil at halftime. Like we've clearly got some. We were up ten nil. Or sorry, we were up three nil within ten minutes. Yeah, like In ten minutes. I thought the game was over, and I continued to watch. Yeah, and it it solidified uh, what would later crystallize even more my uh, hate for Joey Barton. <laughs> oh God, Joey um, Barton. <laughs> also, maybe part the of birth that of uh, if Arsenal had enough cojones, maybe. I, so and I will I will say this if uh, if the eight two wasn't the first like chink in Wenger's armor whatever you want to call it like this was this was definitely as well like this was kind of like you looked at it in I, I think it was February of two thousand eleven yep in there um, that's what it was that was my birthday weekend. <laughs> something else go uh, I I'm so sorry I just that was just such a great game to me so we so we had that and then later that year in August we had the 8-2 at Manchester United and yep. it was kind of a what in the fuck is going on at Arsenal I never if it makes any calculation I, ne- I never had those questions I just I thought y'all was gonna be good forever well uh <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead with my last pick at that point. Um, so, as all of y'all know, um, I lost my dad in 2016. So, flying back from uh, US to in- India, like not really knowing what future holds, the only thing I knew was uh, the Manchester Derby coming up that United had not really any chance to do anything in. And after everything that had gone on in life, I... Uh, 
put that game on and was kind of like one of my first times interacting with, you know, human normal things. And Marcus Rashford put a guy on his ass, scored the first goal against or only goal in that game to win us the game 1-0. And for whatever it was worth, when the fan was so blue, life was okay for like 10 seconds. And the reason I wanted to do this for everybody is whenever anything happens, just list out five to six good things that you have witnessed in life. And no matter what you're going through, you're, go you're going to get through it. And at the end of the day, be grateful because we all shared memories that we were all in probably different places at the time when we, yeah. and we can be in one place and, you know, share these moments again as a memory for this decade. And I think overall, that's what sports does. That's why we call it the beautiful game. That's why we watch football, man. It's a, uh... We can we can all sit here and do PL stuff all day, but we kind of all remember where we were when, uh, for me and Brayden, where Len Donovan scored that goal against oh. Algeria. God, I fucking uh, my stepdad's dad flag was there. Fucking kissed the flag and ran outside. Uh, we remember where we were. For me, like even as a Liverpool fan, when Drogba scored against fucking Bayern Munich, uh, when Sergio I was wearing a Chelsea jersey that day. When, when Sergio Ramos scored that goal uh, to. Uh, uh, going to extra time for the yeah. Champions League, yeah. We, Pavard in the fucking uh, World in the World Cup, shit, the Women's World Cup, I went back from half, like, midfield. Like, we remember where we were for those moments, and it's not just that, it's you remember that summer, that day, what you were going through at that time. And for a second there, kind of football gave you that release. And I think that's the whole point of us doing this podcast, is like sometimes fucking turn this shit on and listen to us talk about the release of fucking football. Like, yeah, that's that. Marcy used to That's a beautiful goddamn story. Like, geez. <clears throat> Y'all gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> There's producer Justin's first words of the podcast. <laughs> Do you have anything to add to that, Brayden? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously that game didn't stick out in for me as it did um, for you. But I, I mean, I think we all had moments, whether it's, you know, something where something happens in in your life and you have just a moment that you can kind of view things slightly differently, as you said, for just just for a little bit, like things are OK. And, you know, that's that's really a, a touching thing to think about. So. Yeah. So with that, hopefully one of the most touching things in my life is Liverpool never winning a league. So that carries I'm still on. sitting here. I, just, <laughs> I was emotional for you. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. But with that, I'm gonna drink more beer now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the weekend's coming up. Go enjoy some uh, non-Premier League football. Watch some international games. Oh, Io. Watch some uh, college football. <laughs> Do what you'd like. Don't be an Alabama fan like Braden and be sad. Um, don't be a Georgia fan either. But. Don't like Cincinnati. I'm from Ohio. I hate Cincinnati, but they're a great team, so I'm just kind of mad about it. It's fun. But hey, <laughs> let's make sure nobody loves Liverpool. With that, On that note, cheers. Have a good one, guys. You never walk alone? Yeah.